Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. Welcome, guys, to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Today, we have some special guests here. They actually flew here for the podcast, just for our podcast alone, yeah. right? Yes, that's us. Okay. <laughs> We're also doing other content, but we got the guys from Exo Mountain Packs, Exo Mountain Gear, EXO, whatever you want to call it, right? Because mm-hmm. people kind of reference it as kisses and hugs. Hugs and kisses, yeah. yeah. And also oh. the host of their own podcast, Hunt Back Country. Yes. So. We, so we've got the two expert backpack guys in the house. We've got Mark and we've got um, Steve Speck from EXO. So we wanted to kind of jump on here real quick and maybe do like a entry-level backpacking. Cody, does that kind of explain it a little yeah, bit? Like, yeah, no, like I, I think what so. What people need to... It's Yeah, I think elk hunting, one, is an intimidating facet Mm -hmm. then you throw the backpacking and that's a whole nother intimidation factor so for our listeners east coast bound never been to the rockies never been elk hunting before and they're going on their first backpack hunting trip where does a guy start i mean you need the 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 access to information nowadays is awesome right so literally google elk hunting backpack lists uh Mark just for us did, uh, if you just go to exomountaingear.com, where's, what's the forward slash gear list, forward slash gear list. There you go. Like full on detailed gear list. Just that's how I pack for every single hunt. I got my gear list and I just like, all right, start at the top tent, just go check off tent, sleeping bag, pad. So you're going to, you got to get your list of all the things you're going to need. Uh, we talk about all the time. Um, we had, a uh, Andrew Skirka is like this, uh, kind of long distance backpacker. And he had a great quote that people, um, the w- people tend to pack their fears, right? Like what, where do you pack extra stuff and too much stuff? And it's called it's just packing your fears. Like you have this fear of the unknown and until you go experience it. Example um, of what? Extra clothes, extra food. Gotcha. Um, yeah. yeah, anywhere you pack extra weight, just too much crap, right? I need two knives because um, one may break. Yeah, gotcha. yeah backups of everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anything you could think that you, you know, like, oh, I need two releases. What if I release breaks? I, I, I mean, some people pack them for sometimes a good reason, sometimes not. Like, yeah. pack all that extra weight. So find a gear list and, and then um, just find the items. We've done plenty of episodes on uh, budget gear items, right? Like, here's a tent and stuff that's a really cheap option but going to get you through and the where to place importance on what you do need to buy um you know that the main two packs and boots um obviously those are in contact with your body all the time and they got to you know if your feet really hurt that makes a pretty miserable hunt and if your pack hurting that makes for a pretty miserable hunt and you know whether you have a 50 dollars sleeping bag or a $400 sleeping bag doesn't really affect the outcome of your hunt so long as it's extra weight on your back, right, with that cheaper right. one. But um, so find areas you can save money and where you need to spend it. And um, and then go, we, we talk about this, just go backpack like 100 yards behind your house yeah. and set up the stuff and spend a night out there. Like if you've got no backpacking experience, you're going to really, you know, shorten that learning curve by just getting a few little trips in it doesn't have to be this massive hunting trip and yeah it's People get, really like yeah. intimidated by the idea of backpack hunting but if you yeah. separate those two you're backpacking and you have hunting and a lot of guys who are maybe from out east or midwest maybe they're new to elk hunting or backpack hunting they have hunting experience they don't necessarily yet have backpacking experience that's a good point but it's almost like they think they need to wait until their hunt their western hunt or their backpack hunt to get that backpacking experience Mm -hmm. dialed in all reality it's like just separate it just go backpacking right like if you live in tennessee go hit the smokies if you live up in pennsylvania there's still public land or there's trails or what have you so in the off season and away from the hunt itself like gain that backpacking experience test your gear do all that stuff get comfortable finding water and filtering water and doing all those things and then that way as you lead into your hunt you're not intimidated by you know the backpacking portion or even honestly just life in the backcountry when it comes to basics like filtering water and stuff like that that's a really a really good point like when you guys first started 
backpack hunting, all right, per se. Mm-hmm. What were, were what were our lengths of trips and what was our time periods uh, away from base camp or road or whatever when you first started? Um, I don't know. I was probably going in for three nights, four days. Okay. Anywhere from that three to four day range, yeah. Um, and that's... The one thing I've learned, too, is don't get, especially in lower 48, backpacking, like, you're never more than four hours from your rig. So, like, don't take it too serious. Like, don't, this isn't Alaska where you're getting dropped off with, like, you better have everything you need on your freaking back or you're going to die. You know, like, to me, I'm, like, just way more relaxed about it than I used to be. Like, eh, if if the weather gets that bad or... You know, borrow from Trent, right? Yeah, to borrow yeah. from Trent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this happened once. You know, I'll never live it down. I remember a water-filtering incident. <laughs> do you remember that? I remember that. I think uh, that needs to be said. Uh, I think it should be mentioned here on the podcast. I really do. I think, it, you know, I mean, yeah. at the end of the trip, I didn't have a thing left. My shelter, my food, <laughs> my ramen, my, uh, what else was it? Filter. I mean, Steve was just underwear. like. Underwear. Man. I mean, you were going commando. There was like four or five times underwear. he was just like, I'm so light. I don't get it. <laughs> Well, that's because you made Trent pack all your stuff. That's why. <laughs> for tents, I don't know. I get made fun of because I have a lot of stuff on me at all times. Yeah. But You're just at, looking out for other people. At that point, he, he didn't bitch about it. I'll yeah. tell you that. Um, the other thing, that, like you kind of said in the, in the earlier thing we were recording, of the back between the difference between day hunting and backpacking is six pounds, right? Food and a little bit of gear. It's not that big of yeah. a deal. It's it really can be, all right, I'm going elk hunting for the day. I've got everything I need in my pack. And the distinction between that and I'm going to stay the night is a bivy sack, a pad, a, uh, a sleeping bag. Um, that's it. Like, you probably already got a stove on you. You probably right. already have a water filter on you. Um, I mean, there's, you know, maybe not if you're just day hunting from the truck and you throw a bunch of water bottles in your pack. But it's really not this huge, massive jump. And that's my preferred method, which I've evolved after hunting with you guys now is... I think for the newbie elk hunter to have a very light, efficient backpacking setup, and then have a, a truck that you can sleep in the back in the back of, mm. and just cover country. You know, like I, I did a solo hunt two years ago, or I uh, did that A to B hunt. Took had a motorcycle, went and dropped it off at the end, went back to the start, parked my truck, and it, it was it was only like eight miles. I could have hunted it an entire day if I didn't get an elk, but luckily I went went in there, I was into elk, and stayed two nights in there. Right, but that's a super efficient way to set up and you cover country, and you got options. I got different, you know. I'm solo, but I've got two points to go out: one to a motorcycle, one back to the truck, and then I'm also super light, where I can stay out there and hunt. And it's a really efficient way to do it. What are things I think that you started out with that you've discarded now that you thought you needed when you started, and and now you realized you don't? Yeah, the the two big ones: clothing and food. Clothing um, and clothing food. and food. I think you need to pack extra pants. Um, you know, you need extra socks. And depending on the weather, you may or may not need rain gear. Obviously, you guys in Oregon coast, rain gear is a huge deal. Idaho, not I, re- I mean, not really. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Summertime, it's foggy in the morning. You get all wet and everything from the fog, but then you'll dry out. Yeah. So it's it's got to be a pretty terrible forecast to take a rain jacket. Take, yeah, take a rain jacket. Okay. Rarely, rarely huh. ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in Idaho, it's it's 5% of the time do I pack rain gear, right? But I, you know... Uh, check the weather before I leave town. If it's questionable, then I'll recheck the weather on my in-reach right at the trailhead. If everything looks good or if it's just calling for rain one day, I don't worry about it, right? You dry off and um, that's not a big deal. And then you have food. The the trick there is just identifying, actually counting your calories um, So you, and then packing it into individual day bags. So I just use a gallon Ziploc bag. I know I need 3,500 calories. I throw that all in a bag and that's my food for that day. And, you know, the, I used to just kind of like throw a bunch of food in the pack and then you'd maybe overeat or undereat. Uh, I find myself undereating a lot, right? And then yeah. that, you know, while you got into elk all day, you didn't eat enough calories. You don't feel it that day. You'll feel it the next day because you don't have that, the energy in your body. So Do super you, important to eat. So question, this is because I've changed the way I've done the food. Um, how do you approach that? You know, what would you carry? What wouldn't, you know, I know the calorie to ounce mm-hmm. type deal. Yeah, Mark answered this one better. He does a little bit more research on yeah, I mean, types of foods. Yeah, if you there's no way around the math that if you only try to optimize for the for caloric density, right, for like calories per ounce, there's just no way around what that means you're eating. And by that I mean like fat just has more calories per gram. 
than protein or carbohydrates. And so as soon as you say, I want like the most calories per ounce possible, that just means they're going to eat way more fat, period. You just can't escape the math. And like when I first started going down that, that's like what I was chasing is like, I want to carry the most amount of calories with the least amount of weight, but it did okay. But you know, if you're do, it depends on the hunt. Like if you're pretty immobile and you're glassing and you're relatively stationary and it's not like too high exertion, that may be fine. But if you're covering a ton of country, you're doing any sort of like high intensity or, um, you know, gaining a lot of altitude, things like that, my body and most folks would want some more carbohydrates because you're just going to burn that energy quicker and more efficient and that helps fuel that higher, um, higher intensity effort. And so as, you, as soon as you start then mixing in carbohydrates, you're lowering that calories per ounce ratio. And so while you may be more inefficient from how much weight you're carrying, you're more efficient in terms of the types of calories that your body actually wants and needs, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So um, on the food side of life, the one thing like kind of trying to find at least the, I like the hundred calories to an ounce yeah, right. baseline. Yeah. Like that's yeah. a good mix with that's carbos terrible. and all that. But then I just weigh my food bags and I'm like, okay. And I'm just kind of like adding to it until I get where I know my calories are roughly for that day versus like counting per, you know, this is, this is okay, adding this all up per bag. Like I just right. know like here's the baseline. These all fit within the parameters and now I'm just going to add till until it's like good mm. weight yeah. wise. What I'll do is I'll build, um, I use that MyFitnessPal app and you can just scan the barcodes of everything. So you just build it as a, you ate all that food that day and it'll tell you your calories. And then I simply just, do, I just build one meal and then just copy that. So I'm basically eating the same thing for the duration of the hunt. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. Um, I'll mix up the meals, right? The dehydrated meals will be different flavors and stuff, but the other stuff will stay the same. Yeah. So. Yeah, just trying to mix. <laughs> Don't look at me. Don't look at me. My body's a temple. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think trying to mix in, you know, some sort of real food too, yes. right? It's yeah. like it's not always efficient, but um, I mean, I have a dehydrator, so I'll dehydrate my own meals. But in doing that, I'll start mixing in like dehydrated fruit and stuff like that. And, you know, you do anything long enough, like you're just hinting at Cody, and you can just get burnt out on it. And it's the same way of a lot of packaged stuff, right? Like, Early, early on, I used to do like the gels and the goos and then cliff bars. And there's so much of that stuff that I just can't tolerate. And so when you talk about food, yes, like the right types of food for your body to burn. And yes, some sort of weight efficiency. But in the end, if you have this ideal bag of food for the day that is calorically great and has a great weight ratio, but you can't stomach it, you're not going to eat it. It's not going to do you any good. Yeah. So you have to find what's like palatable, right? Yeah. So stove, no stove? Well, 100% stove. Got yeah, co- sure to have to have coffee back there. Yeah. There's some hard, I, I hunted with Brady Miller. And I mean, he was every day counting his individual macadamia nuts that he got to eat for that day. And it was like, no, no stove, no yeah. nothing until he borrowed mine, obviously. And then realized, wow, it's nice to have a mountain house at night. Yeah. It's nice to have, you, you know. You have to remember you're out there to enjoy yourself. 100%. Yeah. That's where I'm at as far as like, okay, what am I bringing? What was his thing? It was food is fuel. It yeah. shouldn't no, be. It's like, it's like food is fun. No, that's what he's like. Food is fuel. It shouldn't be fun. Yeah, that was his motto. I'm like, mm. you're an, not the kind of person that I want to have borrowing food, right? And so right. it's like, I, I, I don't know. It was, it was just a different look at it, and it was also one of those things where, like, we're on an elk hunt, and he's got two sets of binoculars, a spot and scope, all this stuff on a on a on an elk hunt with us, and I'm like. Yeah. You, you take 14 macadamia nuts a day, but yet you pack a spotting scope with you. It just didn't, you know, it was one of those things where I think backpacking is totally different for so many people. Like mm-hmm. they can dial yeah. in their food, but they'll actually take more weight to have a tripod and spotting scope with them on a, on an elk hunt that's in the timber, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was just different. Yeah. And, um, it was so much fun though. Just, you know, <laughs> that's half of it is flicking each other oh, you know, yeah, and, yeah. the whole time. Well, Going back to food, just real quick, one of the things that we've picked up, there's a guy named Kyle Camp who has a, a company called Valley to Peak Nutrition. He really specializes in helping people with the nutrition. But the simple concept of like eating carbohydrates during physical activity and then and then just eating fat, the fats and proteins when you're more inactive. Like for recovery. So just, I never thought in the past of what I was putting into my body for what I was going to do the next few hours. It's pretty simple, like, you know, all right, we're going to go climb this 3,000 foot thing to get out of this basin or whatever. Like 
don't eat a protein bar, eat something that was like Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, Sour exactly. Patch Kids. Gummy bears are like I bring bags of gummy bears on hunts and Fruit just freaking melt. Yeah, anything simple sugar, carbohydrate. Yeah, I mean, um, be aware of that because you can affect your performance, right? Um, yeah. By eating the right things at the right times. Yeah, our hundred mile death hike was the first time I was really intentional about that, and could tell massive difference. Could you? Like, for sure. Yeah. yeah, like you have this long pole climb ahead of you, and fueling with those faster burning carbohydrates, and then kind of reserving. And then what I noticed was. I'd started doing that intentionally because Kyle put that idea in my mind. But once I did that and just also paid attention to what my body almost craved, it lined up with that, right? Yeah. So, like, I don't feel like eating, you know, something heavy and, like, higher fat, like peanut butter during, you know, or before intensity. But, like, at the end of the day, that's what is great, right? When you're Restored. relaxing and you want to recover. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess it's – so first-time backpack – you know, gear, physical shape, like they don't have mountains to go climb. What what do you suggest for a guy to like get comfortable with the pack on and yeah. do? Mark lives in Missouri. So. ExoMountaingear.com forward slash train, T-R-A-I-N. <laughs> it sounds like a pitch, See? but we have a free training program. No, that was a pitch. Yeah. No. That didn't sound I mean, like we, exactly we don't make was. anything by it. Like it's a free thing. But, but they're but on your site and yeah. they're going to see your there's packs. A, I love it. There's a gym in Texas called Atomic Athlete. The guy who runs it's uh, Army Ranger or former Army Ranger, I guess, and uh, also is a backcountry hunter. And living in Texas, he was like, how do I prepare for the mountains when I'm out in the mountains? And so... He has, you know, a background of, you know, military and fitness and has degrees and all that stuff. But he basically developed, like, minimal equipment, basically all you need is your pack, uh, and a couple of basic things you can build yourself and train when you're in the flatland. Um, obviously, even if you're not in the mountain, yeah, getting time under the pack, there's nothing that replaces that. Yeah. Um, if you need to um, simulate elevation... You know, you can do that by doing hill repeats if you do have a local hill, even if it's, you know, only 200 feet, like just do repeats if you need to, uh, box step-ups. One of the things he programs in that free training plan is doing a tire drag, and he shows you how to take an old tire, essentially load it with weight, and that resistance um, basically simulates climbing in a way. Like you're not making the same movement, you're stepping up, you're on flat ground, but the resistance of you dragging weight with friction of the tire, like on pavement, yeah. like works your legs and lungs in a way that um, it's probably as close to climbing mountains without having a mountain as anything I've found. Yeah. Interesting. For cool. sure. So Yeah, I think you, you probably can't overestimate our, yeah, getting in shape for a hunt. I mean, you definitely go and you're just going to have a better experience the more physically fit you are, right? you got to yes. figure your time there, you know? Yeah. I mean, what do you got, seven days, ten days? Yeah. You know, it's like you've worked all season. Boy, you know, you've bought all this. You've got so much money into it, so much time, time away from family, all that. You might as well yeah. ma- maximize. Yeah. And maximize. obviously just good for your health in general, right, to yeah. be working yeah. out and get in shape. So um, definitely something I think a lot of people underestimate, and then they come out here and they hunt two or three days, and they got to take a day break, right, and then, it's right. not very yeah, efficient exactly. use of it's your like, time. That you all yeah, they peak yeah. on day two and then have right. a recovery day. Yeah. Hit um, it too hard. So elevation. What elevation sickness? Have you had any issues? Have you been around someone that's had altitude sickness? Yeah, I mean, we, we've done a podcast with some guys who've, like, studied that, like, at, at the uh, doctorate level. Um and we talked with them about, you know, do things work? Like you see the the training masks, elevation that limit your airflow, and that doesn't work. Uh, oh, that's been debunked? Yeah. Oh, really? There's supplements out there that people make claims about that for the most part don't work. There are some prescription-based things that can help you um, fight off the side effects of it. Not necessarily perform better, but fight off the side effects of it. Um I don't, what is interesting and all, what all the research says is that it's very individual and can be variable, meaning mm-hmm. some people are more prone to struggle with elevation. Um, and then some people may have issues on one trip but not another trip. Uh, there's several things that is generally recommended. One that gets overlooked is staying hydrated, even leading up to. Um, and I do that myself. I still live in Missouri and hunt. Colorado and Idaho and all kinds of places. And so 
essentially for days leading up to the trip and then even throughout you know if i have a 20 hour drive or whatever to go hunt like trying to stay very hydrated during that um the research says that's good for you and it seemed to make a difference for me Hmm. um sleeping at altitude is uh very good for you so if you have a way to structure that that's very beneficial um there's been trips that i've made where um you know, we may say we have a 20 hour drive, we'll drive 16 hours, sleep at elevation and then finish the few hours drive versus driving like straight through 20 hours and then hitting the trailhead. So you're not like getting more rest, but sleeping, We've never at, done that. Yeah. <laughs> sleeping at elevation, essentially, even though you're only sleeping, your body is beginning to acclimate to the elevation. Just so being so in that sleeping there and then they want you to return to lower elevation before you go back up, right? Yeah. Yep. So the if you look at if you take hunting aside and you look at people who do like ultra marathons or things like that, um, or preparing for climbs, they basically will like train high, sleep low, like so physically go ahead and like get into elevation, but then ideally you would recover and sleep at at a scaled back lower elevation. Really? It's obviously not always possible. Um, and most people say like. On average, you really don't run too many risks until you're exceeding like 8,000 feet or above, and that's when things can start to come into play. Yeah, I've, I've, the only thing I've really I've had headaches before and just fatigue. Big I've, big portion of that is driving to Colorado, and it's 24 hours, and we drive straight through. Don't want to times, take a lot of pee breaks, don't drink that much. Yeah, you don't want to take pee breaks, and then you're drinking stuff with caffeine, which, to you know, stay, to awake. stay awake, which is yeah. terrible for your system, especially yeah. when you're not hydrated otherwise. Um, yeah. yeah. Then so hit the trailhead, throwing the pack on and taking off. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty not ideal. But yeah. within 24 hours, it's like, yeah, I'm over it. Yeah. Body's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just yeah. I don't, I mean, I think it's something to be aware of and then know, you know, maybe if you're susceptible to it, then you need to take precautions, but it's not something I'd be overly worried about. about. It's like yeah. people packing pistols for black bears. Like, it's like, I, I just think it's not. Re, you know, not needed. Yeah, I mean that comes up a lot. Appreciate you, newer hunters, like packing this year. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, we get that question a lot. Newer hunters going to like Colorado or whatever for the first time. Do I need to hang my food and do I need to carry a pistol or bear spray? Right. You know. Yeah. Generally, carry no the pistol either. for people, more or less. <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. bears. Not bears. There's crazies out there. Yeah, and so okay budgets. We've we've talked about that. Spend the money in in. Backpack, boots, mm-hmm. close contact. Um, and, and this kind of is, we've talked about that theme is like, spend the money on the experience and, you know, don't take, it's not like if you go to the gear list and it's the lightest, you know, you guys have a refined gear list. We did it, just did a recently did a video um, on, on backcountry gear and base camp stuff. Like the one thing that we reiterate is like, don't be so hyper-focused on the gear versus like the mental prep side of life. Like mm-hmm. what, going into it, especially do you encourage someone to go with a partner solo What for their first experience at backpack hunting? I don't know if I've ever, yeah, encouraged one way or the other. I, I'll tell my head it's to go with a partner. If you got a good friend who's willing to go to yeah. share that experience with and pack, you know, share some of the weight of some of the stuff you got to pack. Um, yeah, I think morally, like it's just easier to do. There's yeah. a there's a massive mental aspect that's a challenge of being solo in the backcountry. Period. So just take away hunting efficiency and things like that from it. A lot of guys, especially if you know they're newer, and then now they're solo, and now it's night two, day three, things aren't going their way, or very well could be the first night when they're like literally on the mountain for the first time in the dark and just people, you know, mentally oh, man. aren't always prepared We've had for that. that. Mental's the, the biggest thing. Yeah. Remember the podcast caller that that called in that had the bear scenario? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like literally two things happened on the first two nights that he ever backpacked hunted that We've never experienced like scary stuff, you know. It's like, like going like, out in the ocean yeah. twice and sinking your boat both times. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, what? What? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, but the cool thing out of that is like he made a connection with another guy, and they're now hunting partners. Yeah. Through you know, kind of mm. both had shared bad experiences and, and yeah. all that. But the thing with like with a partner, um, I can't tell you how many stories this has come up where guys may have like a hunting buddy at home that they whitetail hunt with or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you know, you hit it at, we, uh, hit it 
earlier, Cody, we were talking about stuff, and you basically said the mountain makes you or breaks you, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, there's not much in between there. And so I always encourage guys, if you haven't yet done something like truly physically difficult with like challenge and tested your body and tested your body and your mind and all that with someone like find a way to do that like just how early we were talking about you know go backpacking before your backpack hunt it's like take that same idea now go backpacking with that buddy or purposely choose to go on a training hike in some bad weather or you know i mean like create that like bit of challenge and difficulty put yourself out of your comfort zone out of your comfort zone with that person to make sure that you're both like in it have you guys um have you ever sat down and like, okay, like your gear list, right? That you pack. This is what uh, bare minimum that I pack for a five-day hunt. Have you ever added up how much money is on that from head to toe in the pack? Oh we went to <laughs> we went to Alaska in 2019 with like six guys. Okay. And we were sitting outside the hotel getting ready to load our stuff, you know, to, to go fly out. And it was like, it's probably like... 60 to 80 grand worth of stuff sitting on the floor. <laughs> yeah, that's, I guess that's what I'm getting at. I guess we, I guess, we did a budget. What was our budget? Uh, 400 bucks, maybe? Four or 500 mm. bucks. We did a, oh, I can't yeah. Remember. Is there a show notes on this thing? That we, yeah, we, 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 we did a, Mark and I each did a budget gear list where we had to go like pick the, the main items. Yeah. And we gave ourselves a pretty small budget. And, uh, and basically went out like, all right, this is how I would fill this. Yes. This is how Mark would fill it. Scenario was you're already a whitetail hunter, right? Yeah. So you already have like a weapon totally. and a knife. That's where whatever. I'm coming from. Yeah. And it's like, okay, now I'm going to go west for the first time. And now I need, what, what number one, what gear do I need for that? And then what budget? So yeah, yeah we, if we can put a link in the show notes or whatever. Yeah, we can it was a pretty small that. budget though. And like able to find, like I would no problem go out with this gear. Right? Yeah. 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 No, yeah. and that's awesome. I think that yeah. that's like duly noted because... I got an email just a couple of days ago of just a guy. He's just like, well, I'm from the whitetail woods. What camo do I need? My camo probably won't work because I'm from the whitetail woods. It's <laughs> like, no, dude, your camo worked just fine. Don't, you know, and it's those things where I think with social media, with, with all the things that are YouTube and everything, they think they have to have, you know, you've got to have first light. You've got to have, I mean, the deck to the nines in order to even try to facilitate a quote unquote backcountry hunt. You know? right. No, not at all, man. Like that's, Mental attitude will take precedent over any piece of gear you could put in your pack. Yeah. I always think it's important to, like, there's almost a downside to, to starting off with, like, investing a lot of money in something when you don't have, like, experience to, to back that up. Like, I always think of my mm-hmm. first bow. I bought, you know, an off-the-shelf bow at Cabela's that was, like, fully decked with the crappy quiver and the crappy sight and, like, ready to hunt out of the box for right. like, 350 bucks or whatever. Yeah. The thing is, if I would have spent... Fifteen hundred dollars at that point on a on a high end bow. Mm-hmm. I didn't have enough experience to know like what are the differences between those high end bows and what I'm really looking for and what I want and what I don't like in a bow, for example. And so, so me starting off with like something cheap and just getting going and then figuring out what I want and what I don't, what I like and what I don't helped me to then make an informed decision when I did want to invest in better gear. Uh, yeah, and I think that kind of ties in is like everyone listens to the quote-unquote experts and think that that's what they need for them, but right. they don't have any experience base with that to know that, no, they don't really need to go down that road, but they really actually need to spend more money in this category, in the boots or whatever else, yeah. mm-hmm. versus yeah. you know this ultralight sleeping bag or, or tent or something in those, you know. Yeah, the, like I said, the pack and boots are the two that, they don't have to be expensive, they just got to be comfortable for you. Right. Right. So what, that, could, that could be a $100 pair of shoes, right? That doesn't yeah. have to be something crazy. Um, and then everything else you can get away with. Like, you're really not even, for the most, like tents are a good example. Like if you look at Big Agnes, like their super light stuff is less durable than their their other stuff that's like yeah, it's a little bit heavier and, and a lot cheaper, yeah. but it's going to last longer too. Um, so you're not, it's just weight. There's that a you're terrible it. return on investment in ultralight gear to a point yeah. where you're like, you're literally paying like, oh, I could save another ounce and a half, but it's going to cost me $150 type yeah. thing. I mean, yeah. I'm not exaggerating when I say that either. Yeah. I mean, easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. That's, I think that just goes to be said as far as, you know, we always, it's so, so, 
feel like a real, real winner when you're like, guys, you don't need this. You don't need that. I've got it. Don't get me wrong. I've got all <laughs> and of I love it. it by the way. Yeah, and I love it. Yeah. And, you know, go to our website and buy it. But believe me, you don't need it. But they yeah. also don't see, like, the first time I went in the wilderness and strawberries with Ty back when I was 17 years old, I had a Jansport frame pack, mm-hmm. aluminum frame strapped a sleeping bag to it strapped a day bag on top of the main bag to go hunt with and like over the years it's taken the experience to say no i need this and know the Mm -hmm. importance of it versus where you see now on video and 25 years into it you know yeah what it looks like um what you know what's another piece of gear in this i'll plant the seed i guess of like that you used to not carry, but now you won't leave the truck with, like... Oh, trekking poles? <laughs> yeah, that, trekking know. poles are a big one. Trekking poles on a pillow. I yeah. used to never... We talked about it. We yeah. joked about, you know, the two or three ounces in an inflatable pillow. I used to not think I needed that. Now I won't leave without it. Oh, I've got the full-on leopard skin down. <laughs> yeah. Trekking poles are invaluable coming out with a pad. Not very often my hiking in and hunting with them. Yeah. But uh, unless it's like a long trek in there, 10 miles or something, then I'll trek in there with them and then strap them to the pack. But once you, it's like, I call it like putting like four-wheel drive on when you are when you go to pack out, just two extra points of contact with the ground. and mm-hmm. you do, There's you, a percentage there of how much it... Efficiency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going downhill, just taking the, you know, wear and tear off your knees. Yeah. And they're, they're invaluable. Well, um, now I mean, there's so many shelters. Yeah. I mean, I think for both of us included, they're our support to the shelter yeah. too. Like the, my tent's the trekking pole support tent yeah. if you're running a tarp. So the biggest one to me is that the Garmin inReach. Um, I, that is a $300 piece of thing that I think everybody should buy. Max out your damn credit card. Uh, if you have to, to buy that, I do firmly believe in that safety, one. That all safety, that. peace of mind, communicating, Contact. contacting, yeah. like I would agree. whether you're solo hunting or group hunting, like you, yeah, you know, you, you go back to that pack and your fears, you're, you're afraid of all these different circumstances. And it's like, you've got that on you. You've got this lifeline to, to get help if needed. And if nothing else, just communicate with somebody. Um, Update just your MySpace the, page. Yeah. Just the peace of mind to having that thing is it's worth every freaking penny. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that. I'm trying a new one. It's called Somewhere. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. anxious to see how those Yeah. Work. The cool thing is like we can actually now out service share waypoints through onyx with it like the text function of that works with onyx so wow. um so yeah it's like somewhere somewhere yeah we'll it's get you another round for and then like where w-e-r-e-a-r hmm. but yeah and it's actually cheaper monthly for unlimited like another 20 bucks cheaper or something okay yeah Anxious let me know how that goes pro yeah. yeah try it try it pro out. tip i mean it's pro not tip. one pro like tip. I've definitely noticed over the years, like once I find something that works, I don't even like think about looking elsewhere for right. something new. Yep. Like it's just in. But saw this one, I'm like, oh, I want to check this out. <laughs> I have the old Delorme in Reach, and I actually had issues last year with it. It locked up, and then that was one where I'm like, holy crap! Like now I do not have a connection back home. That's when the fire started here in in Oregon when I was in Wyoming at Labor Day, and like. That was it affected to where then, it, luckily, we were truck camping and we could go get cell service. But I'm like, mm-hmm. see you guys back at camp. I'm going to go drive up on the mountain and spend an hour so I can get cell service to call home and check in where before mm-hmm. you could. Yep. yep. Yeah, it sucks. The one um, must have for me would be, and which is the sponsor of this podcast, is Onyx, too. It, yeah. Having maps in your hands at all the time, all the time save so much energy for certain yeah. times it's it's been a game changer i, I literally call it like satellite imagery on your cell phone is like almost cheating like yeah. it is such a incredible tool to use that uh you i use it all the time if i bet a buck you can reference like well pull out the satellite imagery like, that, that's the freaking trees under and then you know because that was a huge hurdle in the past of making a stock and losing your reference point and then elk hunting same thing right like I know there's a clear cut over here or a meadow or something. I'm not, is it, is it 50 yards? Is it 200 yards? And be able to pull it up and reference exactly where it is. It's how, how long has it been since like it's the backcountry hunting has really taken effect? Like not in the last too many years, right? I mean, 
when you got the ultralight gear, when you got mm. access to um, yeah, we s- mapping, when you got all yeah. that. When we started EXO and started designing in 2013, and I feel like that's right when things were, you know, like I, I felt like I was probably three years, I would too late, right? Like I would have oh, really? rather started Behind. like 2010. Yeah. 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 yeah but, but I remember. It's definitely been a trend in that direction. Yeah. yeah. I remember at that time, like even thinking of Onyx, like they had the chip, right? Yeah. And so I yeah. had like my handheld Garmin with a chip. Right. But the, they didn't have the app. Yeah. And like even yeah. that is such a massive leap forward. And oh. when you think about guys coming from out of state, like that is such a confidence inspiring that's cool, what I was getting. Right? That's what I was getting at. Like the the, the barrier to entry, right? right. Yes. Used to be very. You mentioned it right off the bat in the podcast. You mentioned, you know, it's scary, you know, yeah. to try to do that. And then you mentioned also, it's like we have so many things at our fingertips mm-hmm. that are huge helps just within the last, you know, what twelve years? Yeah, that you're talking about. It's crazy to yeah. see see how much this this whole thing is actually elevated and mm-hmm. went to the ultralight and anybody can do it. You know, it's very accessible. Yeah. It's it's awesome. Yeah. Okay. What is a, what is a guy, what's a good weight range to feel comfortable, loaded a pack up, got four days worth of gear, three nights, four days. What's your target pack weight? Yeah. um, So we always exclude water, food, and weapon, right? So like you kind of, those are the only, the weapons there regardless, and it's typically in your hand. Water's so fluctuate it's heavy too so some guys like ah oh, my pack was 60 pounds going in it's like well you could add 12 pounds of water pretty easily um so we exclude those things so for me like a base food because that's the only thing that changes on whether you right, talk about yeah, doing your yeah. three days or seven yeah, the, days that's the only difference the, yeah the difference so between a three-day trip and a seven-day trip time, is really like a maybe an extra pair of clothes or extra base layer i mean there's not much right um and then food so f- food is that you know one and a quarter to one and a half pounds per day uh, water and weapon uh so base pack weight he can tell you what his is and then i'll tell you what like a mortal yeah i'm not gonna say i'm gonna say mine right now yeah. no um, i would so like I, I can tell you mine is 18 pounds my base pack weight for like elk archery elk yeah um i think under 25 even for someone new and on a budget it's totally doable if you're over yeah. 25 i can shave like Base pack weight again, so I'm not talking food water. Gotcha. But you think about 25, and now it's okay. Let's say it's four days, pound and a half of food per day. You know, so you're adding six pounds. Now you're at 31. Now you're adding three liters of water is 6.6 pounds. Now you're 38. Right. So your your 25 pound base weight just became at the trailhead 30. almost 40 pounds. Yeah. By the time you had food and water. Yeah. And weapon. And then, yeah, you slap your bow on there, which and is seven, at, eight pounds. Yeah, yeah. now you're so a 45-pound pack leaving the yeah. truck. Yep. So that's what I'm saying. Like, sounds under like, yeah, 25. Yeah, sounds more realistic. Yeah, yes. under 25 right. base weight, yeah. totally doable on a budget. Getting to 20 is not too hard. Getting under 20 is where you're, like, really being super picky. Yeah. Cutting down that toothbrush. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then that's that's an elk hunt. You know, you, you throw in optics, tripod, binos. Um, for a mule deer hunt, then you can, yeah, you can throw on 10 Spot pounds scope, there. boom. Yeah. yeah. yeah Tripod, boom. Four pounds right Huge. there. Huge. Yeah, that's a lot. So, yeah. wow. Yeah. It's, okay. Yeah. But I like, you know, and that's, on like I did that gear list and basically the variable, I did an average of weight and yeah, 1.3 pounds per day to for get food. the calories yep. and where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, Big question, and I, I we actually got a DM about this earlier this week. How much water do you leave on the trailhead? Is in your pack? If I'm in, water dictates a hunt. Like if you don't have water, if you can't find water, I mean you literally, if you're packing a backpack hunt, you've you literally have to plan your water sources, right? Like if you're going to a new country, some of the some of the Idaho mule deer stuff I hunt, where it's it's freaking dry. You, You've got creeks in the bottom, and the second you start climbing, there's no water up there unless there's a random little seep. Um, so water dictates the hunt, and I don't want to... If I'm going into a country that I think is dry, I'd probably at least four liters, you know, full three-liter bladder, and then maybe a little bottle, a one-liter bottle in a side pocket or something like that. For um, a day? Yeah, and that, that would get me through, through a day. I've... I've never really played with like how little can I get away with. My body just wants a lot of freaking water back there. 
Um, so the more I drink, the better I perform. Um, we had, who's that? We had Brian Barney, Barney on years ago on the podcast and he- it's like 32 ounces a day. Yeah, he, he knew he could get away with 32 ounces a day. Like, like for everything. Crazy. I think it was cooking. Yeah, like total consumption of water. And I was Whoa. like, holy it's crap. Camel? I know, right? I mean, wow. it seems like yeah. me, to be comfortable three liters of water in a day is- Yeah. Like if it's, I need to go lower, I can, but like, it's yeah. a good thing if the, I try to get through. I, that's, I take that same approach. I will also say I would always do that. Like I'd start every hunt with about three liters normally. But what I didn't pay enough attention to is like, say I'm two days into hunting an area and realize I'm crossing water all the time. There's no reason I need to carry three liters of water anymore. Right. But I never like. That's where I'm at. It's like, like oh, I never we'll took the some. time to realize right. that. Yeah. So it's like you can adapt when you're into country and realize what the conditions are and how wet it is. And at that point, I mean, why are you carrying three liters when you're constantly crossing a creek, right? Yeah. So you're just, you're literally carrying, I think it's 2.2 pounds per liter of water, you're carrying an extra three, four pounds all day and then stepping over that adds free up. water. Yeah. yeah. That adds, that adds up. up. What yes. about, go ahead. No, I was going to say, just, yeah, if I got elk country that I know just water and seeps everywhere, like where we elk hunted in Idaho in 2018, yeah. 19, whatever that was. Uh, yeah, you just pack up two liters tops. You don't need to pack a bunch. But. Yeah. And when you get to water, just suck it down. Yeah, camel up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, bring us to the most important topic, probably, of toilet paper. Mm-hmm. You mean wet wipes? Wet wipes only. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Full it. on. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. Just wet wipes, no toilet paper. You guys are going straight, straight to the bottom. Uh, toilet paper would be a lot lighter. Not all. Or are you guys using the water out of the wet wipes to drink as well? That's the third you guys are liter. That's the third liter. It's the third liter. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I just switched to wet wipes only. I just pack one little packet of they're more twelve efficient. wet wipes, and that seems feel to great. do pretty well. They're refreshing. Yeah. I would have thought you, you got to eliminate were... the monkey butt, man. And toilet paper alone doesn't do it. Oh, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. The wet wipes when you're hunting in frozen stuff like Montana. When you get off this solid brick, yeah, it doesn't work. That's, that's, that's negative two. On on the I'm a little more hardcore than you guys. I've got it. It is what it is. Yeah, okay. It is okay. It is. When we're on that topic, are you a squatter or a log sitter? <laughs> I'm a, I call it the improved catcher stance. Oh. <laughs> Please demonstrate. Uh, <laughs> terrible. So you take your, your pants and you put them like mid-thigh and then just squat down. And it's a piece of cake like a catcher. And sit there all day long. No, yeah. you can't. Yes. Yeah. You can sit on a log you, all per, day long. Ideally, you're on a hill and you put your ass downhill, right? And then yeah. you got a hill kind of in front of you that you can put your hand on no. and brace you yourself. Roll away. And, yeah. I will say I have, this is like total team, I have a remarkable consistency on backcountry hunts. Like I hear people talk all the time about like, you know, they eat too many mountain houses and they get plugged up for two or three days or whatever. You're dialed. It's consistent. To the hour? No, no, but... Okay. Like and mid-morning after the yeah, coffee. Usually mid-morning. First water break. Coffee, yeah. waste, waste ounces. Again, <laughs> again. waste ounces. Just for, uh, on, on and off this topic, we, Mark and I just did a pod, like a, we called our expert roundtable. And one of the questions that we had asked five different guys all these same questions. So five different answers to each question. I think we've had one of you two yeah, on, but what we did last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Appreciate that. Yeah. Anyways, one of uh, Jeff Bloomquist, my buddy who was on it, his, we were talking about gear, and he said the most important gear is the gear that makes you comfortable. And it was like a cool approach to just thinking about gear from a, a big perspective, True. right? Like what makes you comfortable? And I, and I immediately like, oh, what makes me comfortable? My pack being lightweight all day long, right? Like super light pack on my back all day long feels a lot better than a big heavy pack. That's comfort to me. For Trent, it's pack in the kitchen sink, right? Like... You got stuff strapped on everywhere, and but that's <laughs> like the whole sink. I mean, yeah, I mean pretty much. Yeah. Side, side. I mean that goes to my sleeping pad. Yeah. Like we're side, talking, right. like it's a thirty some ounce sleeping pad. It's the heaviest one, but it's the best night's sleep that I've gotten ever. Yeah. And on day six of the hunt, if you haven't slept good for five nights, like yeah, I mean it's, yeah, it makes a massive and difference. melatonin or Advil PM. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. But yeah, if you just kind of approach stuff of, you're going to have to figure that out through experience. Yeah. Like you're going to have to go hunting and get uncomfortable. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't like being cold. I need to pack a warmer sleeping bag. I don't like being wet. I need to pack rain gear or I don't mind being wet. I don't, I won't pack rain gear. You know, that's where I fall into. Or four yeah. liters of black velvet, something or, like that. Yeah, whatever. Right. Yeah. It's comfort. 
But, you know, <laughs> the mental aspect of this is tough and keeping a positive attitude. Yeah. Right? So whatever keeps, you keeps in the you, field. Whatever keeps you comfortable and keeps you out there longer yeah. is going to improve your chance of success. No, I think that's, that is a great point as far as just being comfortable and what you're doing and not miserable. That's why it was like when I was hunting with Brady, it was like, man, I could no more count my macadamians every single, it would just make me miserable. It'd be like, okay, here comes the macadamia count again. You know I mean? Oh, wow. I get four today. You know, it's just, it's just, to me, it's like, just put a couple more handfuls in there and be, be comfortable. Have right. fun. Create right. like a man. Yeah, yeah. Put it on your back and keep walking. Jeez. Uh, one thing I did notice with you, Spec, was it was it was cool. I'm a well. Here we go again. I pair, I carry a pair of socks for every single day. I'm there. A new, fresh, brand pair. new pair every day, every hunt. Sometimes two pairs. So sometimes, like on a four day hunt, I'll carry eight pairs of socks with me. It's it makes total sense. You guys are looking weird, but and whereas Steve saves the pounds and ounces, and we're walking, I'm walking behind him, and he's got two carabiners off of his pack with these two wet socks, like dripping yeah, and, and flapping in the breeze, and he's just wash like, no, out I just drive. wash them out. I drive on my pack, and yeah, I, I mean, kind of looked at that, and I was like, wow, that's a great idea. I've never done it. Never taking that leap, but man, that was a pretty decent <laughs> idea. You I know? like where your head's at because it's important to change your socks. Haven't you ever watched Forrest Gump? But yeah, you can reuse it. That's right. Change your socks. Change you your don't socks. want swamp foot. So it is. Yeah, taking care of your feet's a big deal. Don't Huge. ignore that crap. No. Um, you feel a hot spot? Stop. Tape it up. Change out your socks twice a day. Keep them dry. Luco yeah. tape, or if you have to, or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, this is in the realm like. What's a realistic plan going into it? Like, if there's a basin that's eight miles back in there, it's your first backpack hunt. Is like, would you say that that's an achievable goal? Like, go hunt that basin? No. Or like, I guess, what should someone's goals or expectations showing up to the trailhead, planning this hunt out? Here's what I want to go do. Yeah. I just, yeah, like to me, the the perfect scenario is find country that you've got a road running up down the bottom, or if it's not a road, it's a main trail. And then you've got this long ridge system above it that you, you could climb up a couple thousand feet and then side hill. And then everything's like downhill to the road or that trail. Like that's a, that's a good start. Cause no matter where you kill the animal, it's not killer. Right. Um, I think there's a yeah. lot of, you gotta tell you, first thing I think you gotta do is look out the respect for the animal. Like, okay, how yeah, far can I get back in here? And get a whole bull elk out, right. depending yeah. on if you're by yourself. You can't be, I'm Iron Man and going to go back in there eight miles and kill an elk. And then half of it spoils because it takes you four days yeah. in 100 degree weather to get it out. I mean, yeah. it's just, I think you got to look at that first. I'm, if yeah, I'm I mean, a newbie backpack hunter, no experience, I'd, I wouldn't want to be more than three miles from a vehicle or, or an access point to get meat out, I don't think. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that, that's, that's a task. Man. Oh, man. That's what matters is yeah. you, you have to go in the mindset of... What happens? Worst case, when hope you know if hopefully when I'm successful because it I don't really care if you're hunting six miles from the road like for your own sanity or whatever how far you are away from Chuck but it's it's that it's about the animal and can you get that out and until again if we're talking new guys maybe you've killed whitetail never killed an elk until you put one on the ground (laughs) you don't know what you're getting yourself into and Mark's Mark's done this being a Missouri guy kill a whitetail quartered up and pat like. Even if it's a hundred yards, like we yeah. talked about earlier, like go backpacking in your backyard when you kill a whitetail, cut yeah. that sucker up and treat it like an elk and gain that experience, right? Yeah, and that's what I did. When, when you do have that, you know, freaking eight hundred pound bull elk down in front of you, it's a little less daunting. Like, yeah. well, I've done this before, just on a smaller scale. Yeah. When I knew I was gonna start elk hunting and making those plans, like that fall prior, I was shooting whitetail and doing the gutless method. That's awesome. We, we, literally no one around me is like what are you doing you know it wasn't yeah. even a thing i wasn't aware of it but again like all the practice you can get whether it's backpacking or getting experience with gear or you know tactics stuff like i've never loaded a pack i've never quartered a white tail or done the gutless method do that at home and gain experience however you can so that way when you you're in the field you have a head start that's a really good point i've been on a couple of rifle hunts where it's like somebody killed something and they didn't know how to gut it they they'd never gutted an animal before so it's like yeah and to us it's like wow really you know you're out here and you don't know how to gut it with like there's been people i was talking to uh casey from hush and he says what they did to start out with as far as the people that he knew they would download you know a lot of our videos on methods of gutless thing how to do the gutless method and just play it in the field you know yep. and, mm-hmm. and do that and it was it worked and 
That's a good point. I never really thought of it, but yeah. Yeah. The first, the first elk, um, archery elk hunt that I had, we were successful. It was, we were six ish. I think it was like six and a quarter and, uh, realized it probably wasn't the smartest thing. Like it was one of the, we walked up on an elk and was like, Oh yeah, that's big. And then just looking at what it took to get that out of there was, yeah, I mean, it was beyond a challenge. Pretty rough. Sure. Yeah. It can go sideways fast. Yeah. Very fast. Closing arguments, Cody. Um, I don't really have any closing arguments. I think um, the one thing that I've learned over the years, specifically hunting with Steve, is efficiency. Um, before going to bed, you know, you got your water in your jet boil, you got your coffee out, you have your breakfast bar, whatever it's going to be. It's all right there. Things are in order. Staying organized. Um, so when you wake up, you got your program, you make coffee, you eat. As that's done, you've already popped your pad to pull air out while that's, you know, it's deflating. So, you know, minimize that time and be as efficient as possible has definitely been one that I picked up with Steve. Like that, all of a sudden he's like got all the stuff he's ready to pack and I'm like, still got a yard sale going on over here. I'm like, well, you get 15 minutes to watch me pack my pack. (laughs) I just just focus on simplicity when I'm back there. There's enough crap to deal with um, that just, yeah, the simpler the better in my mind. And that, I approach that with everything. Backpack design, the shelter I choose, just the amount of crap I pack. I think it, it works for me. But again, comfort, find what works for you. Mark? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it, On that point, I mean, it's going back to, I sound like a broken record, but the only reason Steve can be like that efficient is because he's has experience Done and has it. developed consistency, right? Mm-hmm. So even simple things of Steve puts the same thing in the same spot in his pack in the same way every time. And like that allows him to be efficient. It allows him to know where everything's at and all that. But that's developed because he's been doing that for a long time. Yeah. And so again, being the drum of before your hunt, if you're new to this, go start figuring those things out, right? Um, go start creating some reps and habits and experience. And be, the whole goal with like efficiency isn't that Steve's efficient. It's that you don't have to worry about your gear or your process or figuring stuff out. And now you're just out there to hunt. You're not out there figuring out how to backpack while you're hunting. You have all that other stuff dialed. You're not learning how to set up your shelter or, you know, how to best roll up your sleeping pad in the field for the first time. Cause you only did it in your living room and now you're doing it in the backcountry. Like all that stuff goes out the window and now it's like, you're just hunting. I love it. Steven. I think I already wrapped up. Appreciate your honesty. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Do you want another turn? <laughs> I do. No, I, I. My big takeaway was what just started out this whole podcast. It's like there's hunting and there's backpacking, you know. Right. And a lot of people put it all into the same category. Make it as simple as you can. Go dial in your backpacking side of things. You're going to be dialing your hunting side of things anyway as you're out there. So, I think it's good stuff. Keep Guys, it simple. Go on EXO, not Hugs and Kisses. Not Hugs and Kisses. EXO. EXO MountainGear.com. Okay. Thank you guys so much for being part of this. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you. Good luck.